five, four, three, two, one, go. Wait, what are we gonna start oh, the show shit. with? Are <laughs> you recorded already? Uh, that would actually be funny. <laughs> that is funny. We'll just leave it on there. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, welcome to uh, Blowing the Doors Off, uh, episode 23. Uh, what are we starting with, sure? <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> Probably me asking questions while we're already live. Uh, or recording, I should say. Um, I don't know. We get to talk about some stuff I've been wanting to talk about for like two months now. Well, here uh, we go. So that'll be fun. Uh, fighter jets may be involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's let's break that down. I finally uh, got my ass to the movie theater to uh, watch Top Gun Maverick, which I know hell you probably have seen it three times by now, but. I wish. Oh. I've still only seen it the once. But here's your disclaimer. If you're listening now and you don't want a spoiler, you probably need to fast forward to the next segment. Just hit the 30-second button until it sounds like we're not talking about Maverick anymore. <laughs> Pretty good movie, man. I thought it was really cool. Uh, you know, like you said, uh, when you had talked about it before, it, it wasn't like a action here and an action there, like a lot of filler in between. It was pretty uh, nonstop throughout the whole movie of just straight jet fighters and motorcycles and playing uh, sports on the beach again. It was a it was a good movie, man. Yeah, and not to just regurgitate something somebody already said, but I loved the way you know they waited. They had to wait two years to release this film because of all the nonsense. And uh, and I say nonsense because that that's just humor. Okay, obviously some people's lives were tremendously impacted by the pandemic um, and certainly don't want to belittle that, but they waited the two years. So they, that gave time uh, for Tom Cruise to be able to do that monologue at the beginning. And uh, I thought that was really cool the way they, I always like movies that break the fourth wall. I don't necessarily like the ones where they do it all movie long, um, but I do like that aspect, especially in a monologue monologue form like this where he just kind of talks about why they're doing what they're doing and and why they went to such lengths to make it as real as possible that was so cool um you know and it of course it drums up all that that rush of excitement when the music starts like i get goosebumps i still kind of get goosebumps when i watch the original uh but like i like i mean i just i grab my chair i'm like grabbing <laughs> Kristen's shoulder i'm like this we're here this is it you know i'm like a you know i'm like a five-year-old or whatever i mean like i got five-year-olds in my life you got a six six-year-old you know like whatever it is their thing is like uh, we got baby yoda all over the place now and <laughs> yeah. it's like baby yoda you know and not even really care about mandalorian the tv show but you know the thing baby yoda <laughs> but i understand the excitement um you know i, I took a plane ride this week and I realized that I still got a lot of that in me, that little that that kid, because I still if I'm sitting in the, um, you know, next to the window, I always watch a plane, the one I'm on, take off and land. I just I like to I like watching us take off and then you can see, 
you know, all around and I like landing. I love coming back home to Atlanta and saying, okay, where, which angle did we come in for? I'm looking for like a landmark. Oh, stone mountain. I know exactly. Oh, look at that golf course. I've played that golf course like 10 (laughs) times. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't know, there's just something in me that still gets excited about that. Even though I've been on, I don't know, 300 airplanes at this point in my life. It's, (laughs) it's like, no, it's not, there's nothing novel about it, but it's still cool. And, uh, I get that. I got that exact same, like, it just switch on when that music starts playing. You realize we got a new Top Gun, and and the way <laughs> they just the way they open the whole thing, it just it was perfect. Like they dove right it, into it right off the you bat. You could never see the first one, and it wouldn't matter. But if you had, it makes it even better. Like Absolutely. if that's such a thing, it may be. It's easily in my mind. It's easily the best sequel since Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Absolutely. And to go back on the monologue thing, when he starts talking, you know, before the movie even, you know, starts and stuff, telling telling the story, I looked at her and I was like, I don't ever remember anything like this ever going to a movie where an actor or director or somebody talks before the movie even plays, you know, it's like he comes on there and starts talking. I was just like, wow, that's interesting, which it's, it made it pretty cool. And what really blew me away is it's been out since what Labor Day weekend or Memorial Day weekend. Uh, yeah, that week before it that out. it came out Wednesday night. That week before uh, Memorial Day weekend, and it was crazy. We showed up Friday night at seven forty-five or whatever it was at the movie theater. Sold out show, slammed, slammed the whole. The whole back area was already taken. I was like, damn, they're really watching this movie already. There was, I mean, we don't go to the movies as much as we probably should, which I got in my redneck uh, later on. I got a little movie thing that doesn't have nothing to do with this, but it's still kind of cool. But uh, I like going to the movies, you know, get a little popcorn. We had a little date night, didn't have Little Man. And it was just cool to kind of just get back in in that vibe. You know, I just hadn't really been to the movies in a long time. I hadn't either, and and I was trying to remember the last movie I had gone to see, and I'm almost positive that it was the second time that I saw The Dark Knight. I went to see it twice in the theater. This was way back in my South Georgia Valdosta days, and uh, I went by myself twice to see the same movie. Because Didn't I talk you into a Star good. Wars movie a couple years ago? Um, I would have seen him anyway, but I don't know that I went to the theater. Mm. Um, you know, with golly, you know, with a <laughs> with a pause button and all the stuff you can stream now. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I if I'm sitting ten or twelve feet away from my fifty-five inch flat screen, and I've got a wicked awesome, you know, stereo, uh, five, you know, five channel, all the bells and whistles. I'm like. I, you know, I don't need the movie experience unless it's a movie that I, I feel like I have to have it. And that was Top Gun Maverick for me. I'm like, this is there. This is a theater. I think we don't know when it's going to come out. I have to see it now. And, <laughs> you know, and we went on that first Friday that you could see it. We went to like the 1215 show. So it was us and like maybe 12 other people. So that was kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it just. I, I didn't think they could possibly write that story any better, um, start to finish. But I'm gonna tell you what, <laughs> you know, when they get in that SR-71 <laughs> yeah. and start humming, I was like, this is, this is real. I was like, 
Kristen, you understand how fast Mach 10 is, right? Ten <laughs> times the speed of sound. Yeah, that's like, crazy. <laughs> it's bananas. The space shuttle only leaves 16 times the speed of sound. Like, it's over, it's halfway between zero and what it takes to get a rocket to go to the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. You know, I thought it was really cool at the end because it kind of throws you through a loop a couple times. You think, uh, you think, oh boy, he's dead. And then, you know, he's not dead. And then you think he's getting ready to get shot from the, the helicopter and then, Rooster comes in and blasts it, and then they end up in the woods running around together. It was a it was a hell of a show. I thought, you know what? Uh, there was a thing that when it became pretty obvious that you thought one of your one of the heroes of the movie was was not going to be was not going to survive the movie, right? And and I was like, well, that I'm not sure that's how I would have chosen to end the movie. But if it ends that way, I'm good. I've already got all that I wanted out of this movie. And then there was still like 40 minutes to go. (laughs) And I never did bother to check a watch. I was just so glued. I mean, I should have known more was coming, but, um, the, the way they, the, the way they did that flip, they flipped it twice on you, right. With the rescue and then the re-rescue and then the risk and then the, Oh, Hey, I happen to know, know what this plane does. And like, and you know, that whole, that there's no way you can get this plane to take off. There's no way this is going to just check this out. Swings the wings out. And you're like, you start thinking in your mind, you're like aerodynamic wise. How does that? Oh, right. You know, you got to generate all your own lift when you're taken off from the ground, as opposed to getting shot out of a cannon off an aircraft carrier. So yeah, wings got to be out. So you get all that extra lift so you can come off the ground faster. Boom. It starts making sense. And you know, I, I, the list goes on. Like, I mean, the fact that they brought back Penny Benjamin, uh, <laughs> right. who we never saw in the first movie. You just you hear just it one hear. time, yeah. one Admiral's daughter, and then you hear Goose say Penny Benjamin, and then there's a laughter, and then that's it. So you got to have the, like a, you know, a mind to have heard that and go, oh, I already know who this character is, just haven't met her yet. Right. You know, and then, and I thought, you know, especially now – being in a relatively new relationship and, and doing all those things and, and settling down and, you know, the family thing and, and all that. And then the, and the girl's like, you know, just, uh, she catches him coming out the window, you know, uh, like, <laughs> like they're, like they're 17, except for he's 52 or whatever he is yeah. and, and squirting out the window trying to get him. So nobody, you know, he doesn't get caught. And she's like, just, just don't break her heart again. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that smashes like you know that gets you that tug you know that tugs on you a bit oh for sure yeah definitely definitely a pretty good movie man i thought what they did with val kilmer uh you know hollywood or not hollywood uh um iceman was was really cool to see that uh after all of that contentiousness of the first movie that you realize that uh the reverence that that Iceman has for Maverick because of that conflict. Right. Uh, just, it just lasted another 25 years or whatever. And he just kept, you know, he kept sheltering him when, he, when Maverick kept screwing up, he was there to say, we really need this guy, you know? Right. And, uh, and that whole, there's something super interesting to me because I can apply it to some of the things I've done career wise uh, in that whole, you're not really here to teach him you're here to prove that it can be done. Right. 
Yeah, because uh, Val Kilmer is actually sick in real life, right? Oh, real sick. Like, yeah, you could I tell mean, that he's for sure. been on the cusp of not being around anymore for a while. Yeah, and I thought it was pretty cool what they did with this character. Jocelyn had no idea that he was actually sick. Uh, she's like, I can't believe they wouldn't even let him talk. I'm like, he literally has like throat cancer, like for real in real life. Like, I read something that where he tried to describe how painful it was to speak, and they just they went ahead and just wrote that into the movie, right? That that it took so much, it takes so much of his energy just to make words because it's, it's so painful and so hard for him to do that he would be willing. Uh, not just to revive the character in this in his own light, like basically that is Val Kilmer. He right. just happens to be playing a rear admiral in Maverick, but he's playing himself kinda in in that and in, in the the struggles that he's right. going through personally. It's it's the same. It's the same, and it translated to the screen really well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's move on and talk uh, talk a little bit of racing for uh, for the week. Uh, it was officially announced, uh, Chicago street course. Uh, what's your thoughts on the old street course? I know we've kind of talked about it a couple times, but now that it's set in stone, no road America for 23, what are you thinking? Well, the only thing that concerns me, and this is kind of, this is a recurring theme for me is, um, NASCAR tries to build consistency in what is perceived as their expansion or their create creation of audience or whatever you want to call it, new experiences. I, I, this is probably where they wanted to do this all along. I think we know that um, we knew that this was going to have ramifications for road America. And that's the part of it that sucks to me is that that, that track has totally smashed having two cup races in terms of garnering attention and getting people to the racetrack. And it's, it's another one of those things where you go, if you guys would, if it, if you're going to act this transparent, just be this transparent, you know, I'm tired of hearing about all this TV money and, and how it doesn't really translate to fans in the stands or, you know, the fans in the stands don't make the event because the TV money and, and it's left up to the individual track operator to fill the seats. And it, like it's it's so easy to see what's happening that you don't you don't even need sunglasses, you know, <laughs> like just tell us this is what you're doing and, and move on. Do I think the street course ideas is neat? Yeah, I, I think it's neat. I think it 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 further speaks to nascar breaking their own mold breaking out of their shell yet again to do something different because they they feel the need for evolution um but i just just be a little bit more transparent when it's already obvious to everyone with half a brain that you don't really care about attendance let's just let's just say it until yeah. you fix that problem that's what it is. You don't care about attendance. Right. I got a solution for this that makes it a little better. Uh, call me crazy. How about we take Texas off the schedule <laughs> and put it in Texas weekend or make it uh, the all-star race or something like that? Uh, I, I know that he, 
when Ben Kennedy was making the announcement and everything, he said, uh, you know, this isn't it for Road America. Uh, we're, we'll work with whoever we need to to get them back on the schedule. Uh, but for next year, they're not there. I'm thinking there's got to be a solution to, for this because, uh, you know, like we talked a couple weeks ago when, when they were at Atlanta, it was a great, great race, but uh, just not that too many people in the stands. We've seen it over a couple other racetracks here and there, but, uh, you know, Road America, there isn't seats at that place. It's just a, a complex, you know, and they got as many people as you can fo- possibly fit in there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I <laughs> echo that uh, as far as the Texas thing goes. That's where I think anybody with a logical brain looks at it and goes, why did you spend so much time and effort to fix a track that was so clearly broken <laughs> and is clearly still broken and take away races from places that aren't broken? Texas is trash. Let's all be honest. There yeah. isn't one person that wants anywhere except Eddie Gossage that thinks Texas Motor Speedway is awesome. That place sucks. <laughs> and I don't want to hear shit about people going and, and the stands being full because those are papered seats, baby. That yeah. is the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. It is one of the biggest markets uh, in the entire country. And if you don't think corporate paper is why butts are in those seats, then you don't understand the way business works. Right. It's the same thing with Vegas. Why is the track look slammed at Vegas? It's because they're papered. I went to Vegas. I went for free because my buddy Rusty's dad worked for Wyndham. And so we got papered. Like, you know, I mean, and even still they had to pull seats out of Vegas. So I don't know. I'm just, let's just, let's be consistent and let's call things what they are. Texas is there. Why? Why is Texas there? Why is it, is it because SMI still has some control over NASCAR's decision-making? Uh, are they are they secretly actually in bed with SMI in <laughs> ways other than just the fact that the NASCAR sanctions the sport, owns half the tracks, and 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 Texas Motor Speedway is owned by SMI, who's got the other half of the tracks, basically. Like I just, I think NASCAR fans could handle honesty. I really do. Just be honest. Why is it there? Is it corporate dollars? Okay. Is it is it Dell? Is it what is it like? What do you what are you getting from being in Texas? I agree. Um, a little kind of side story I had kind of told you before we hit record, but uh, Frankie Muniz, the uh, actor, uh, well, child actor that played Malcolm in the Middle uh, on Fox in the early two thousands, uh, is trying to get in NASCAR. He's uh, trying to put some money together to get in. Uh, an ARCA ride or a truck ride. Uh, and he talked about uh, eventually wanting to make it to the NASCAR cup series. Uh, he's ran some uh, open wheeled stuff and a lot of uh, uh, lower series from what it sounds like. But I think that's kind of a cool story. I mean, we saw him, I can't remember what race it is that we were watching. It might've been the all-star race. Uh, he was on like the broadcast pre-race with Clint and them guys. Uh, and I didn't really put two and two together until I heard a, uh, him on a, another podcast this past week, but I think that's kind of a cool story. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't watch that show, but uh, that's just because I had already aged out of it. 
Right. Uh, and I didn't watch a lot of TV as a kid anyway, but so that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah, there, I mean, there's certainly some intrigue to it, right? I mean, the former child actor races NASCAR. That that's a headline grabber, right? Put him, put him in the uh, <laughs> the 34 Xfinity car. <laughs> is he is he better than the previously mentioned people that we've discussed on this podcast that don't <laughs> that somehow have licenses in nascar that who sh- who clearly should not is he going if he, is he faster than them uh if he is more power to him uh, yeah. if he's just going to run around in the back and wreck the leader on pace laps and stuff then then this is a wash but if he's any good at it then it then it could be maybe it opens i don't know what door would that open i don't know if, if you were watching malcolm in the middle in the early 2000s how old are you now your age 30, yeah, my age, 33, 30, 35. Yeah. Well, that's a, that is still a demographic that NASCAR is trying to capture. Uh, somebody published some, uh, you know, some average, uh, age, uh, you know, it was like a census kind of thing of average age of fans of all these different professional entities. And, uh, you know, you see, uh, college football and NFL are right there exactly where you want to be 47 and 48. That's, uh, that's the median slash average age of the population to begin with. That's the group of people who are generally uh, at or about to achieve their peak earning potential in their careers Um, that you want to see that number drift down. NASCAR was about maybe seven or eight years older than that. And it's like, you gotta, you gotta reach down because the problem is NASCAR's average is loaded on the, is loaded on the older end like they don't we don't have under 30s you know whereas college football has that built in because you have students yeah because it's at a you college. know it's, <laughs> it's kind of built in right and it, and it's very regionally specific in terms of like a town right. uh, or or a, a city a state you know mm-hmm. um whereas you know nascar's well we know what nascar is right um, um, but it still should be that that younger side of the audience should still be there. Maybe I don't know. Maybe something like this guy. He's not going to bring everybody, but he, I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think uh, it might it, it might help a little bit. You know, people can relate to him maybe since they watched him when he was a kid, or maybe something like that. I'm not really sure, but I definitely think it's a cool story. He told a pretty emotional story about Dale Earn, Dale Earnhardt on that uh, podcast about. Basically, he was the last person to talk to Dale Earnhardt besides like his spotter and crew chief during the race. But uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, let's talk some uh, some Kyle Busch contracts. Some stuff kind of came out uh, in the open, in the, in the public this week um, about Toyota kind of saying that they're not even really close right now. It, it, it'd be a lot of heavy lifting on, on their end sort of thing. Uh, you think they get this figured out? No, I don't. Uh, I think when Joe Gibbs and Toyota are both saying we're at, uh, they basically are saying we're at an impasse without saying they're at an impasse. Um, I, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Um, and at this point, I think uh, being the type of person that Kyle Bush has shown himself to be in the past, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's so mad now that he wouldn't, he wouldn't lower his salary expectation for Joe Gibbs, but he might to go somewhere else just to go, 
how about that sit on it and spin <laughs> yeah you know? I, I, i'm kind of with you i feel i feel like you know they just made uh toyota just made two announcements recently with bringing truex back um reddick to 2311 uh and he just kind of sits there you know what i mean i feel like if this was going to get figured out um it probably already would have got figured out i may be wrong we both may be wrong on this in this situation uh but i feel like um i mean it, it did mars really make up that much ground when it came to uh money for him well they were the primary on what 26 races that's a lot of money or maybe even more than that maybe more like 30 yeah it was a big chunk of change i mean mars for them was um yeah i mean probably that that was probably 20 million dollars right there wow if i had to guess i still wonder why mars walked away from him um there was uh leadership change within the yeah so like the whatever the heir the heir to the throne of the ceo of mars in the mars family doesn't give a shit about nascar <laughs> and he was like yeah i don't i'm gonna spend our marketing dollars somewhere else and they just said you know because some of these companies are really they're only still in it because their company loves racing right or the the people who run the company love racing that's that was what interstate stuck around for for so long right you know even though they're only on a a couple races a year now that was actually kind of cool seeing it on truex's car it was album, cool. but um it was confusing but it was <laughs> it interesting was confusing because then you had um, dewalt on uh kyle's car and it's like what the hell's going on here right well i saw a mock-up of all four gibbs cars in the dewalt scheme and like wouldn't this be cool but it'd be a spotter's nightmare, nightmare. You know? yeah. especially kyle and and truex those numbers are just basically identical when they're moving 180 miles an hour <laughs> yeah uh some more silly season talk uh we kind of knew this was coming a little bit but ty dillon not to return to petty gms after 22 uh it's been rumored that uh noah gregson has that all but locked down for uh next season i'm not surprised by that um i mean ty just never ty was supposed to be the one that was better that's the thing that's kind of weird now looking back is, you know, that Austin was, was decent, but you know, they're like, Ty's really the, he's really the driver in the family, you know? And it just, it never materialized for him no. for whatever reason. And I, whether he's disgruntled or, or not, but I mean, I don't know, you know, it, it's really easy to look at what Eric Jones is doing in the 43 and what Ty's doing in the 42 and go, you guys are supposed to be driving the same cars that just have different second digits on it. <laughs> right. And one is far superior. And yeah. if Ty is thinking, well, that's because I got a shit team. Uh, my guess is it's, it's a combination of overconfidence and, you know, you know, he, he never was, really that good to begin with i guess i i don't know i i'm not sure i'm not you know don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. well the baby's 30 now or whatever age <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> like <laughs> i think i think ty dylan's ship has sailed except for the fact that now that eight car is sitting over there 
and and I got a uh, um, a guess for that. Uh, now that I've listened to some stuff and trying to put a couple things together, I think Eric Jones lands that ride. Speaking of petty GMS, uh, I guess he's got a lot of attention on him right now. Uh, he's been driving well for a team that may not have uh, what it takes, I guess, or just hasn't run well in the past, but uh, Eric Jones might land that ride. That would, I mean, you got to believe that that's a better ride than the 43, but do you? Do you right. got to believe that? Because, <laughs> right. I mean, let's face it. I mean, not to just sit there and pile on RCR, but they've been trash for a decade. Yeah. I mean, they've won five races in, what, 12 years or something? Something like that. And yeah, all it's not, it's not good. Races. It's not. It's bad. It's really bad, especially when you're supposed to be like a cornerstone or- owner in the sport. It's like you're you're barely the third Chevy team. He, he, you know, RCR gives other teams, you know, equipment and motors and that kind of thing. It's like something just doesn't add up with the RCR thing, in my opinion. Well, and that, and, and the more you hear more people talk about what DEI was in its peak, the more I look at those ECR engines and go, how much is actually, how much of that is actually DEI? Right. Um, and, and all the things that they had going for them before it went sour, um, like, you know, they basically merged engine departments sometime after that. How much, I mean, that was DEI's engine shop, right? Like those are DEI or, I mean, I guess maybe not now cause that's been 15 years, but, uh, you know, that, that, that motor, that the power behind that motor. And I, and I say power as in the brand power. Uh, the ability to market the motor, that all comes from DEI. So Richard's Richard's not really been building his own motors for 20 years. That's crazy. You know, it's like what what kind of? I mean, he really is just another team out there. Like, he is the new Roush. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I'll have to use that. <laughs> and th- and the thing is that's fairly recent it's not like you know roush has been a piece of shit for 20 years no but everybody knows that's i mean that's the reason why the door was open for brad to come in and be an owner it's like man we got to clean something up around here <laughs> Who wants to otherwise help? we're just gonna have to fold this jalopy down <laughs> uh, uh uh kyle larson wins uh best driver award uh, at the ESPN SB awards. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. I don't know who else was in the category. Um, but seems fitting. Well, I mean, you win 10 races and the cup championship. It's hard not to, especially when ESPN no longer really has a reason to care about NASCAR. Uh, I'm glad they still do enough to have an award for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, basically if you win the cup title, you're winning that award unless something really weird goes on. That's awesome. I can remember watching that back in the day, watching the SPs. I don't. I, ESPN isn't what it used to be, and I've kind of fallen off the ESPN bandwagon. Unless it's like a baseball game that's on ESPN or like Monday Night Football or something like that. But I don't really pay attention to ESPN much anymore. I don't either. And when I keep reading these things about people gushing over a Rod, 
on on the broadcast and what he offers to the broadcast and i watched that when because like yeah the braves are on there about once a month and i'm like this guy is not even paying attention to this game he's just having like he's a like talk watching show. another game and <laughs> right. this is the one and he's talking about one and it's like what how is this this is good a rod yeah. is good tv to who <laughs> right. I would rather just have a baseball announcer on there calling the game than to hear that trash up in the corner of the screen. I what is the, I mean what is that? They're trying to copy even... the the Monday night football thing with like the Peyton and Eli which that can be interesting at times but uh it's A-Rod doesn't even touch Peyton or Not Eli. for 162 games <laughs> right. or however many they got. You know, they got a game every night, I would imagine. Something like that, yeah. So, no. I mean, the Peyton and Eli thing works because those are two Hall of Fame quarterbacks that played <laughs> the most challenging position in in professional sports in terms of the things that you have to know and how you react. Right. And so it worked. And they're brothers. That that obviously plays a role. but And there's kind of a, com- a comedy relief to it. They're messing with one another, messing with whoever they're having on there with us. The, the, the other night when I was watching whatever game, Yankees, Red Sox, or whoever was on there, uh, I don't even know who was on, the, who, who the guy was with hosting with him. I was like, who the hell is this guy? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't – I the baseball as a whole has lost me. The Braves certainly have not, but – Baseball is all. I, I don't get to watch. Like, it's not on at our house, you know. Unless it's on Fox or ESPN, it's not on. We don't have any regional sports. Call, call me a, an, an idiot because I do watch uh, baseball. Well, not right this week because it's the All Star break, but mostly every night in the garage. I got the Reds on. When the hell did we start playing California rules for extra innings to start with a runner on second base? When did this become a thing? Uh, about three years ago. I thought they already pulled that back, though. No, the other night when uh, Yankees uh, and Cincinnati Reds went to extra innings and we won the game, we started with the runner on second base, and I was baffled. I guess I just haven't watched that many games that went to extra innings. I you know, I didn't realize that was even a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a few years. Um, and, I mean, I trust me, uh, left to my own devices, I would watch the Braves every night. Right. I mean, I was, for a long time, I was that guy that would record the Braves game and then do whatever for the first hour and a half and then fast forward and just watch the Braves hit. <laughs> That's and awesome. watch the whole watch the whole game, you know, fast forward on the DVR. <laughs> highly recommend that style. If you've only got 40 minutes or so to give to a baseball game, just record it and wait till it's almost done and then get off your phone and in 40 minutes, you'll have the whole thing. That's done. awesome. Cause you don't give a damn about watching the other team bat. No, not really. I don't not really, unless there's a no hitter going on, then I might pay a little bit different attention to it. Absolutely. Uh, so some Xfinity racing from this past weekend in Loudon. Uh, Little Gator got him another one. Justin Algauer wins it. Uh, I think it was called the Crayon 200 or something like that. Uh, but he was involved in a, an accident early with the 45. Uh, still figures a way to come 
come through the field and win it. He he didn't have the strongest car to, to for the beginning of the race. I actually got to watch this race, but uh, as the race got going, uh, he just got stronger and stronger and brought it back through the field and wins it. Well, I didn't get to watch any of it, um, but one of the comments that I I either heard or read, it's hard to tell anymore these days. It's basically the same thing, uh, <laughs> um, is that this was some kind of a signature or a landmark win. And I don't mean like in terms of totals, but like, I don't know, solidifying that he's the, you know, the number one contender to win it. Maybe because he doesn't have he doesn't have an Xfinity Series championship, right? Not that I'm aware of. So maybe that's like, you know, is does Allgaier? Maybe the chatter was around, and I just didn't dive into it. But maybe it's around. Is is this what might actually finally get him a Cup ride? Would be winning the Xfinity championship. I don't know. Uh, he seems to be fairly content doing what he's doing. Uh, Brant's money is great for the Xfinity series, but I don't know that it goes very far at the cup level. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, um, what, how he hasn't won a championship as many, as many years as he's been in, uh, the Xfinity series, you know, he, he always seems to steal a couple races here and there. Uh, wonder how many times he's been in like the, uh, the final four for Xfinity. I don't know, but it's probably more than one, I would imagine. Um, and it's kind of ironic in a little bit of a way because he's good at tracks like Phoenix. Really good at tracks like Phoenix. Flat, not too long, you know, whatever the, whatever we're calling that. Not a short track, not a super speedway. It's Phoenix. It's got a dog leg, whatever. Not not to <laughs> uh, not to uh, cut us off on the conversation that we're having, uh, but my phone just happened to uh, go off. I just happened to look at it, and it said uh, NASCAR fans to be shocked, shocked over the news. So of course I had to look at it. Oh yeah. Uh, s- somehow it's been leaked through documents. NASCAR launching electric racing series in twenty three. Yeah, I actually just read that. Um, That's wild. Last last car on Brock uh, is where I saw it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it sounds like uh, why not? You is know? that like its own series? Yeah, it would be like K and N West or East, but or whatever oh, okay. we call those now. But uh, but like an EV series that would be a carrier series for, you know. I don't know if it's regionally specific or not. We don't, I don't think there's a whole lot of details other than the car. It's going to be electric. There's, I mean, with, there already is an electric Mustang. So like that, that's already a thing. You know, there's been some chatter around how do we make the Xfinity series be a series people watch because they care about the car itself. You know, is it going back to, is it going to some of this EcoBoost type technology and going to a V6 um, you know, they obviously learned a ton. I mean, I, I, EcoBoost is a Ford branded word, right? but that, you know, kind of, it basically it's a supercharger on a, on a small V6 is what it is, Right. but you can do some interesting things with a supercharger. As we see the Mustang immediately jumped 120 horsepower when they <laughs> went from the, the 3.9 liter V6 that I had to the. I don't even know what the displacement was. I think it was 3.5 EcoBoost 
and it it jumped over a hundred horsepower. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's that's what a supercharger can do for you. Well, back to the Xfinity series. Uh, the uh, Noah Gregson and Landon Castle DQ'd uh, after uh, post race inspection. Um, combination of low ride and all that kind of jazz on both of them cars, but they went from finishing third and fourth to finishing thirty seventh and thirty eighth. That's a big deal, and presumably whatever points were available for stage ends would probably have been evaporated as well. Uh, that's a big old swing for uh, Captain Dangling Gregson uh, <laughs> after already getting the points penalty for the horse hockey at, uh, <laughs> uh, Road, America. at Road America. So, you know, he's he probably not looking too good in points right now, but thankfully he's got the two wins. And that goes back, I mean, I know this probably isn't his fault or his call or whatever, um, but, man, I feel like he started so strong and has just uh, been pissing in the wind the last few weeks. I don't know. I think he really, especially if he's going cup racing, I don't know, man. If this is my last season in Xfinity, I'm a favorite to be in the final four at the end of the year, I'm probably going to just – focus as hard as I can, put as much time into Sims and all that kind of stuff as I can and just start rattling off those wins, man. You would think that would be the mindset as, okay, my future is secure. Uh, let's go win some races and try to win a championship. Right. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how that works. Like they, you know, they say, uh, the, the retired drivers will say, yeah, momentum's a fun thing to talk about, but it really it, it's hard for momentum to truly exist in uh, in NASCAR because the tracks change every week, the tires change every week, the the style needed to win the race changes every week. Right. There's just so many things that change. It's like, yeah, the con the momentum of confidence can carry over. Confidence matters. We've seen that to no end. I don't know if you listened to Tony Junior, Tony Uri Junior on Dale Junior's show. But that whole, you know, like, how do I get more out of Dale Jr.? And he's like, he's probably one of the best drivers out here. You just have to let him know that he he requires <laughs> that he requires that boost. feedback. And it really, it's like, oh, yeah, come on, you can do it. And he picks up three tenths, like out of nowhere, you know, <laughs> like because he's that good. He just, you know what? We all a little bit fragile somewhere inside this noggin. Yeah. And for Junior, it's, you know, he needs people around him to boost his, his confidence as a race driver. Or he did. He certainly did need that, which is why Stevie Letart was perfect for him. Because Stevie Letart is a cheerleader first. He's a, he's a marketer first, you know, oh, yeah. and that knows cars second. So he knew, I mean, it was a perfect fit for them. But, you know, that, that confidence can breed momentum. But in terms of just generally carrying over week per week like in football where you go this play worked we're going to run it three times instead of two next week that you don't have that in nascar really right if anybody had uh momentum right now it seemed it would be the uh the nine car in the cup series he's been just uh lightning fast for the last several weeks and it seems like yeah uh, well, certainly as a fan, that's fun to watch. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I did no. He's entered. He's officially distanced himself from the field, 
right? Because the next closest driver to him is the one that's already pissed off the entire field. So he really, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, Ross is second in points, but he's even like when you look at the playoff points, Chase is so far ahead of him in playoff points. Like, I mean, Chase is going to go if Chase wins the points, doesn't win another race, but still maintains his position as points leader. He's going to go into the first round of the playoffs with like a 30 point cushion, like basically a straight up mulligan in the first round <laughs> in the first round. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about some uh, some of the cup racing at Loudon. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody saw this coming, but uh, Seabell wins it uh, as another uh, winner for the for the season. Bump that number up to what fourteen now? Yeah, that's <laughs> we're just get, it just keeps getting uh, higher. Which I know you're you're really wanting it to hit that seventeen mark, which I think yeah. it probably can. Yep, the little bubbles in the bottom of the pot are starting to form. The water <laughs> is about to start boiling. How crazy would it be to see, uh, you know, Ryan Blaney, you know, up there to, to win the points championship in the regular season and not make it because he didn't win a race? Well, that'd be wild. Um, there's there's any any number of stories within that, the guys that are 15th to 20th that or even well, how far back is are Harvick and Keselowski? Yeah, they're, they're 22nd, well, 25th or something back there. Yeah, it's not good. But those guys, I mean, I would never count Brad out of a chance on stealing a win somewhere because he's he's that kind. He's a Kurt. Not he doesn't have what Kurt Busch has. I'm not saying they're the same kind of driver. What I'm saying is he has that ability to use his brain to win a race, even when the car maybe shouldn't. Yeah. Um, and so I wouldn't count him out as being the guy that might ultimately completely just kick the apple cart down the road, forget knocking it over. <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 you know what I really want? I want to, I want us to go ahead and get 15. <laughs> let's go ahead. Next couple races. Let's get that 15th winner. Yeah. That's, you know, we'll talk about picks later, but, I want to get that 15th winner so that we can sweat for like four or five weeks, uh, <laughs> you know, trying to figure out, are we going to get another unique winner to this season? And then what happens? What, what, what changes in the narrative? Uh, you know, are, are we going to see this situation where maybe, I don't know, maybe Chase and his team go into full engineering mode getting ready for the playoffs and they rack up a bunch of 14th place finishes and allow a Blaney to creep his way back up in the points. And then all of a sudden we have 16 winners, but Blaney won the points without winning. So he automatically, so he automatically is in with the 15 point bonus for having done that. So not only does he get in, he knocks somebody who won out and he gets a cushion for the for the first round of the playoffs too it's like that's the big swing and you know what in the room right there <laughs> but i'd like to see, i'd like to see it go ahead and have just just knock them out two weeks in a row let's get truex harvick blaney eric jones brad Keselowski. one of the one, two of those guys win a race the next two weeks so that we can go Holy shit! What's gonna happen now? <laughs> <laughs> I think it all builds up to that 
that cutoff race to the Daytona cutoff race. I think um, that's going to be a kind of race where we're watching so many storylines as the race unfolds. And then uh, say you get somebody like a, a Michael McDowell or Austin Dillon or something crazy like that, that uh, steals it at the, at the end. Or it could just be an absolute shit show and the entire field's wrecked in the first 10 laps. <laughs> well, think about it this way. Uh, let's say things stay as they are at the top. So Chase runs away with the points championship uh, in or the regular season points championship uh, in addition to having the most wins. Uh, and so then, okay, look, we get our 16 winners, right? And now we, now we know that the points champion is going to be Chase. Let's just, let's just make that assumption. Now there's guys that have busted their, you know what, made some crazy weird decisions to win once because winning you're in. And they're back there in 15th and 16th because you're Brad or you're Kevin. And you don't have the points, but you got the win. Then they're going to Daytona going, well, damn, I'm, I'm going to have to win again. <laughs> so the number of people that, that all of a sudden it expands a little bit. It matters a little bit more to a few more cars than maybe it did before. Right? Well, you're looking at, maybe seven or eight cars that like have to win and get in, which I think is bullshit anyway. But, but now you're, you're talking about guys who have won, who have to win to secure being in. Uh, and not just because I, I like, I like that storyline and not just because it's Daytona, but I think the person that should be sweating this the most is Austin Sendrick. You know, he's oh, got, hell a, yes. yeah, he's got the Daytona win, but other than that, he ain't done jack shit. No, he has not. Uh, outside of California, uh, where all the Fords showed up fast, uh, he has literally not done shit and he's yeah. supposed to be a road course genius. And we were just looking for him to win a bunch of those because of what he did at Coda on slick tires and everybody else was on rain and he was going faster <laughs> in the wet on the slicks than they could go in the rain tires. We're like, wow, this guy's really got some stuff, but uh, he don't have some stuff right now. And I don't know if that's car or what, I don't know if it's Ford or what, but yeah. How about your Daytona 500 champion setting at the house for the playoffs? <laughs> That'd be wild. <laughs> and I'm definitely uh, eating crow um, on that uh, predicament early on in our first episode or second episode when I said, who do you think is going to have a, uh, a breakout season? And I said, Austin Cindric. Uh I could have not been more wrong in the situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I just picked what I wanted to happen on that. So I got – there's some luck or just maybe some homerness in me because <laughs> I believe I said chase. So yeah. I think this is the one where he goes and gets those, gets a handful of wins before we get to the playoffs. And then we know once you get in the playoffs, you probably have to win at least two races to have a chance at the title. And you probably have to win the title race. That's the way it's been going in the cup. Yeah, and you sure. probably are going to have to win in one of those segments more than likely. Yeah. So you probably have to win twice during the chase. <laughs> Speaking of uh, uh, Brad, and we've talked about Austin a couple times, they had a little uh, predicament on the track uh, under a caution uh, later on in the race. Wonder what that was all about. Seemed like uh, Austin was a little frustrated with him, maybe a little bit, gave him a little, uh, little rubbing uh under caution and brad must have just flipped out because he uh he all but tried to total the dude's car <laughs> oh hell yeah he did he lost his mind for a second 
Yeah. And I there's something about that I kind of like. Obviously, there's things about it not to like. Wrecking people under caution, yeah, it's kind of lame. Uh, you understand why it happens, but it is kind of lame. So they both get a check mark in the lame box on that. But Austin Dillon firing off in his interview like he's somebody. <laughs> yeah. Hold wonder the phone, if, brother. I wonder you, if that has anything to do with You don't like the show. way a former champion raced you? He's won 30 cup races. Uh, how many races has Austin won that? I mean, I don't even know. Is it four? Um, I can only think of two. Three? Or three. Three with the Texas win in there. And there's a Coke 600 win in there. Yeah. The Daytona 500, the Coke 600, and the a Texas race last year, I think. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. It's like, you. I don't think you earned your stripes. I, I, I don't care how Brad races you. You can't just be like, well, I don't like the way he races me, so I, you know, I just let him know about it. And like, like Brad was, uh, I don't know, pick a, what, pick somebody that's back there. Like he was. <laughs> I don't even want to pick a good on car any, I don't want to pick too. on anybody. You know, I mean, like, well, let's just say it's Corey LaJoy. I don't like the way Corey LaJoy races me, so I, you know, I decided to let him know about it. Okay, then we all move on and nothing else is said. It's Brad Keselowski, though. This is an owner, owner driver now, and uh, and he's a cup champion. <laughs> like yeah. you need to show a little reverence, I would think. I'm sure he's uh, not that anything pops up in my mind, but I just can't. I don't think of Brad Keselowski as a um, a dirty racer or anything like that. He may be a little. Uh, uh, aggressive in, in plate races sometimes, but he doesn't come across as being a, a dirty race car driver. I no, I've, I've before there was Ross, Brad was probably the aggressive guy in the bunch would pick and choose holes that maybe weren't quite there and go get in them because he already knew how much, how much more important track position was than, the you know the long run of the car or whatever you know whatever whatever you want to believe you know he ruffled a few feathers because he put his car in places people didn't expect it to go right. and you know jeff gordon chief among them i believe that was at texas uh <laughs> yeah um so i i wonder if if austin's britches uh if he's got a little bit too big for him with this USA trash show. <laughs> it's like the Jersey shore of NASCAR. Desperate have you seen Housewives this freaking nonsense? <laughs> I, I haven't watched, watched it. it. I watch, thank God it's only 30 minutes. Good God, what a bunch of trash. <laughs> it is awful. It It is the worst possible thing that, that NASCAR could do. And I don't know who the heck. Are they trying to get the the real Housewives people to watch this stuff? I have I mean, no his idea. I, you know what? I'm going to catch backlash for this, and I don't care. His wife is a dunce. <laughs> and it it comes out clean as day in that show. And it's like, okay, I know y'all signed up for this, and we all know that these kind of shows have some scripting, some coaching and editing right. to make it entertaining, right? Because it's not always entertaining. They have to clip it and do all those things to make it entertaining. But what crowd are we trying to entertain? <laughs> I'm with you. I I mean, when I first heard about this, I was like, um, uh, for the NASCAR world, this not something I see being that attractive to them. 
Uh, you know, maybe a guy's watching it, watching the race, and then this old lady wants to watch the reality show afterwards or something. I maybe a little bit, I guess. I don't know. I mean, my wife watches uh, trash reality TV. I'm not normally present in the room for that, but uh, I just can't see uh, the two worlds mixing that well. I don't either. Um, I I suspect, obviously, they thought they would get that that overnight number they're always talking about like how the the show after the the big show gets a gets an automatic boost because people are there and they just didn't shut the tv off (laughs) but i how many so i know they exist and and for the women that are that are wives of nascar fan husbands or, or wherever you fit in that mold and you watch you know from invocation to celebration of victory lane god bless you uh, I suspect that for the most part, as we are aware, this is still a very male, uh, heavy fan base. Um, and the same thing applies to football, by the way. This is not a NASCAR specific thing. Men just more often like sports than women. And especially with a NASCAR race where, yeah, occasionally it's boring, you know, uh, like they're going to stick around for the end of the race just so they can watch this trash show. <laughs> I'm betting not. Yeah, you're probably right. And and that's a that's a re-air too. If it comes on on Sunday, because that show airs on like Thursday night or something. I, I don't know when it it you know. I mean, I guess kudos to NBC for trying something to try to get the USA viewers to look at that. Maybe that's what it is. You're. I don't. I just don't. I I don't see it. Netflix already knocked it out of the park with the Bubba Wallace thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like NBC tried to capitalize on that maybe by doing a trash show. I well, I would have thought. Well, well, isn't USA doing their own uh, doc, NASCAR documentis, documentary series? I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe this. Is I think the they're like in that. filming right now for all that. Okay. Well, that's fine. I mean, you know, I, I, I obviously a lot of people watch that stuff. I just don't see how it's good for NASCAR. It's not. Especially when it's Austin Dillon and his tire changer. <laughs> and these two crazy, uh, what uh, what are they, Tennessee Titans former I cheerleaders? I think she used to be a Tennessee Titans cheerleader. So, One was like I mean, that's fine. That That's fine. That happens. Uh, whatever. Um, but uh, these aren't people that you know, unless like, unless you're all up in some Instagrams. Right. You know, like you don't know who these people are. People don't people outside of NASCAR don't know who Austin Dillon is. Right. You know, it's not the same thing as I mean, if you want reality. I mean, obviously, they just made a movie about some of it, but go, go follow Kyle and Samantha Bush around with Brexton. I want to see that movie, by the way. I do too, really bad. I've been trying like hell to find if there's anywhere you can buy it on pay-per-view that they've sus- suspended the streaming release to some i don't know why if you're only going to premiere it one night like it was know, in the theater here so in fayetteville georgia a tiny little town we had that one showing it was at 7 p.m on a wednesday night and that was it and i was like well damn um and now you can't stream it anywhere yet and it's like i don't know who owns the rights to it you would think if it piggybacked kyle's book or whoever wrote that book that that Kyle would have some input as to who gets to see it because how many people actually went to the theater that night and saw it? Can't be a lot. 
Yeah, I, I, when I I think I didn't really know much about it until the night of the screening. Uh, and the one uh, IMAX theater that's like a little over a half hour from the house, uh, they had one showing, and I was like, well, maybe they'll have it the next night, and maybe I can go watch it the next night. Nope, just one time. One showing. Yeah, one time. I'm like, what the hell? I want to see this. You're giving me one opportunity to see it. That's not working out for people. <laughs> I don't think so. I. Uh, I don't, they didn't, when you make a project like that, you want people to see it. So I got to believe they're probably figuring out which streaming platform to host from. Yeah. Uh, Who's going to give them the most money to do it? Is it going to be Amazon? Is it going to be Netflix? Is it going to be YouTube TV? Whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully that's available soon. I'd like to watch that. But, uh, we're uh, we're in the Poconos this weekend, the old uh, heart shaped hot, hot tubs area. Heart shaped <laughs> hot tubs. That's right. <laughs> that should be the name of the episode. Heart shaped hot tubs. That should. Be, well, we may have to revisit that because yeah, that's funny. I forgot all about that. <laughs> uh, but definitely. Um, uh, kind of an unknown. Uh, you don't know what's going to play out. Is it going to be a, a fuel mileage thing? How's the shifting going to uh, turn out and that kind of thing? You know, going into Loudon last week, we thought the race was going to be trash because of uh, of shifting and downshifting, uh, and then that ended up being a pretty decent race for it for being Loudon. Uh, do you think we maybe could be wrong about the Pocono thing too, or how do you think it plays out? I don't know. We started back to shifting at Pocono like before the Gen 6 car. So, I mean, and that's back when teams actually had some control over what gear ratios they were running. Granted, sure. they only had four-speed transmissions, but, you know, the only gear that was mandated as far as I know was fourth. Had mm-hmm. to be, the, everybody's fourth had to be the same, but you could your third could be whatever you wanted it to be inside their range. Right. Now, now none of you can't change any of the gearing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I'm curious about, and I, I sent it the question out to an outlet. I'm sure we'll never read it on their podcast because, you know, it's probably not spicy enough or whatever. But <laughs> I thought in, in my mind, I'm thinking in turn three, are they going to actually downshift twice um, and 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 further reduce the amount of braking that they need to do? Treat it really treat it like a road course and downshift uh you know to fourth to third and then shift up shift twice down the 3360 foot straightaway <laughs> uh on the front stretch there and 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 really is is somebody going to figure that out better than somebody else um these cars are going to draft we already know that because they have a terminal velocity at a place like Pocono. So drafting is going to matter. Are is our setups going to matter so much that you can still get those strung out races like we've seen at Pocono in the past? I don't. We're certainly not going to see Atlanta there. That's not. That's not a possibility no. because of the package we're running. But um, does that shifting mean that more cars are going to be in the same space for longer? Maybe. But I can't imagine that not being fun. Right. You know, especially with the speeds they're running. And, you know, you got the Indy corner, which is already pretty exciting <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I'm i genuinely excited for Pocono. I always was, even though I was kind of a holdout, like a pot banger. 
Like, Pocono's <laughs> cool because it's unique. I don't give a shit if it's boring. It's unique, and that's what I like about it. But now it's going to be unique for a different set of reasons, and so I'm genuinely excited about it. Yeah, I'm ready for some uh, for some racing for sure. So uh, you got me last week. Uh, you picked Truex. He put it on the pole. Probably should have won the race. Uh, you got got one up on me. So it's eleven to seven now uh, in our head to head matchup. Uh, who are you going with this weekend? <laughs> yeah, you're creeping back. <laughs> well, after all that stuff I said about Blaney potentially potentially winning the points and really tipping over the cart and sending it down the road. I am picking Blaney this weekend at Pocono, <laughs> but that will be 15th. So they'll still add to the overall conversation that we were intending to have that boy, wouldn't it be fun to have 16 different winners and watch people start to scramble. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I didn't know that it was the Vegas pick until you told me that, um, you know, we talked about Mars leaving uh, Kyle Kyle Bush after season's end and uh they're kind of having one big hurrah here at the at Pocono this weekend. I believe aren't they the title sponsor for for Sunday's race? Yep. That and they're handing out a bunch of free candy as I've heard on some other places. Uh yeah. I don't know, man. It's just got something kind of uh NASCAR always plays out like that, I feel like uh with those kind of storylines. So, I'm going to go Kyle Bush. I like it. I like it for all of the reasons, just like we talked about way back early on in the season when Mars said they were going to sponsor that race. Um, I thought it was hilarious that they would do that considering, you know, milk chocolate capital of the world is right down the road in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yep. Um, I just, it, it, it just like, I love those games that corporations play with each other. Like see who can grow the longest middle finger. <laughs> and shoot it off at their buddies you know it's like the sign wars between dairy queen and wendy's or whatever you know those <laughs> things are all funny but uh yeah i i mean i think they said something about this is the first time mars had ever been the title sponsor of a cup race and sure. of course kyle's carrying the mars brand this weekend mm -hmm. my guess is it's probably launching a new product if i had to guess that whatever it is it's something kind of some, some, kind of, M some new kind of m and m yeah that's what i was gonna say <laughs> and uh because why not and uh yeah i think you uh i'm jealous of your pick actually <laughs> uh, i don't know about i think i'm i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna lose again <laughs> <laughs> um we haven't done it uh for several re for several weeks um rednecking this week in rednecking what you got <laughs> snakes <laughs> Fuck snakes. I don't mess with those things. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, snakes uh, down here take on a whole new meaning because we do have the poisonous ones. Uh, those are fun. Um, honestly, you know what? I haven't lived here most of my life. Uh, and growing up, I grew up, you know, in and around places where you ort see snakes. And this, I've seen so few poisonous snakes that it's like, yeah, you, they're not. I mean, they're there, but they're not there. Right. Right. You know, I mean, everybody, you see a moccasin every now and again in the, in the water. Yeah. Most people have never seen a copperhead that isn't dead because <laughs> copperheads are so docile. Uh, you probably stepped right over it and never knew it was there because mm. it doesn't want to call attention to itself. Rattlesnakes, uh, they're, it's pretty obvious when you come up on one of them. I've never seen one in person. Lie, you know, I've never walked over one, around one, near one, never seen a rattlesnake in the wild. Um, even though I've got cousins who have so many Eastern diamondbacks on their property, the rattlesnake roundup people 
come to their land to catch rattlesnakes. And I still have never seen one. <laughs> so that, wild. I mean, you know, <laughs> but anyway, present story is I went to go feed his chickens and get the eggs up and, uh, somebody beat me to the eggs. <laughs> oh, and let me tell you something. Uh, you can't climb air. Uh, when you open that <laughs> box expecting to see eggs and there's a four foot gray rat snake in there, you have an immediate instant reaction. I'm like, okay, not poisonous. Cool. Close the lid. All right. How am I going to deal with this? Cause I got to get it out of here. <laughs> you went up a little gopher catcher. Yeah, <laughs> I knew. I almost bought one the other day just for this exact reason, right? So <laughs> we had a real heavy rain. We'll bring a snake into place where it's trying to get some shelter. Oh, by the way, there just happens to be food in there that that particular type of snake will eat, which is a chicken egg. And he, right. sure enough, had a big old spot. And I'm like, well, that's an egg right there. Uh, <laughs> like, which is good. That means he's just eaten, which means he's going to be very lethargic. Yeah. All good things. Rat snakes don't tend to strike a whole lot. Not even if they hit you, they're not. It's nothing really. Um, so the fact that it was four feet long made it interesting. Uh, <laughs> I got some video of that too, but I sent a picture on the on the Twitter for people to see. But yeah, um, yeah, I got him out of there, and I, you know, I told Kristen, I said, yeah, I better not send the twins out to check the eggs anymore. And she's yeah, like, no why kidding. not? And I said, this is why right here. She goes, oh, my God. You know, she's not <laughs> any snakes, not a good. I said, I said, Kristen, this is actually the exact kind of snake we want here. Uh, just not in our chicken cage where the hens are laying, you know. Yeah. And so sure enough, <laughs> I'm sitting in the Atlanta airport on Tuesday and I get a call at like six o'clock and uh the other line is Kristen and she's freaking out because the snake has returned. <laughs> we had <laughs> another <laughs> out of rain and he come <laughs> on back. That's awesome. And uh, <laughs> coaching her through, I'm like, look, he's not aggressive. Don't hurt him. Right. He probably was just looking to get out of the rain. And I said, just get you a stick. That's got a little, you know, notch on the end or a little broken off branch get in there and get about halfway down and just kind of work him towards the door, pull yeah. him out and then he'll be on his way. And, and that's, I mean, that's what it, it was, but yeah, he, he's found a food source and a source of shelter, which isn't great, but he's not big to kill the chickens or anything. And they don't seem to care that he's there. Like they walk around him. And I say him, I don't know if it's him or her. I don't know how to sex a snake, <laughs> but not, not interested. Nor do I want to find uh, out. <laughs> no, I'm not learn that. Uh, it's not, it's not in my desire of things to know. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it's, it seems pretty harmless. Like, I mean, like I like having him because he's probably eating rats too. And if you have that kind of snake in your yard, you do not have rattlesnakes. And that's, that's a awesome. good thing. Yeah, well, uh, my rednecking for uh, for the week's pretty pretty funny too. Um, uh, we busted, we got it a couple of, uh, I think it was like last Christmas somebody got it for us, but somebody bought us a projector for like outside uh, with the big hundred and twenty inch screen or whatever. So we hook it up for little man uh, in front of their garage so he can. Uh, play uh crash bandicoot outside which the one he was playing it's kind of like a mario kart so we're like all playing mario kart outside uh at night and then he decided to go to bed so 
I go, through, you know, just looking at movies to play and stuff, and uh, I landed on Triple X with Vin Diesel, and it's like <laughs> two o'clock in the morning, and that projector is super loud, and I'm sure anybody that lives near me was probably pissed at two o'clock in the morning because I'm out there just got Triple X on full blast. <laughs> oh yeah, well you got to. <laughs> oh, I, you know, out. I saw a friend of mine that that set up in his backyard for his kids, and I thought. I, we got a spot for this. There's a spot on the house that would be perfect for this. Um, so I, the wheels started turning in my mind. I'm like, okay, how would how would we do this? How would we make this work? Uh, and and have it be the problem we had. There's just so many bugs. It's it's tough. With, yeah. You know, there's a very narrow window of time where you want to be outside and there's not bugs and it's not ridiculously humid and crappy. And we got all. I mean, there's still not still it just ever existing pollution from Atlanta. Like the air quality is not super good here. Uh, so Kristen doesn't like them to be outside when it's hot anyway. And nobody wants to be out there with the mosquitoes. So it's one of those things that this, I mean, it's great idea, hard to make it work. Yep. Well, uh, buddy, that's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, that's episode, uh, 23. Got that in the books. Uh, just keep ripping them off every week. It's pretty fun, but, uh, we'll be back again next week to preview Indy, which I'm super excited about, uh, cause I will be at all activities throughout the weekend. Uh, but, uh, tell everybody where they can find us at on the old social media. Yeah. On Twitter, you can find us at BTDO podcast. And on Instagram, it's blowing the doors off, baby. Nice. Uh, you can find me on the old Twitter at uh, bwayne8589. And uh, you guys have a good rest of your week and week race weekend. And uh, stay safe. Skew. Yeet.